Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. Our show, it's a great way to expand your village and fill your parental toolbox with as many resources as possible. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm your host here on Parent Talk, as well as on Les Parents Parles, which is Parent Talk New French Edition. And I'm a mom of two boys, Alexandre, who's two and a half, and Nathan, who is almost one. Today, we're talking about having a pet as part of our family. So let's go around the table and let's introduce ourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Fox, and I am the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41 years old and mom to two little ones. My son, Hudson, is two and a half, and my daughter, Madeline, is now three months old. <laughs> sad. Hello, my name is Anne Irwin. I'm a veterinarian in West Vancouver at Ambleside Animal Hospital. I have two boys, and they are 13 and 10. Well, thank you, Dr. Anne, for being here, and thank you, Heather. So, Dr. Han, when is a good time for a family with children to get a pet? Um, I generally recommend people wait till their children have both started school, or if there's more than two, then three or four. It's easier for the parents to focus on training the puppy, like house training and things, if the kids have a few hours at school each day when they can spend with the puppy. And the kids are also old enough at that age to start to be involved in caring for the pet and helping train them. Mm Mm-hmm. How can we choose the best pet for our family? Um, First of all, you need to know what your lifestyle is like and what kinds of things you're looking for in a pet. Um, Some of the things I look at is um, the size of the pet you're looking for. Do you want a small animal or a larger dog? Do you have the the space at home to have a larger dog? Um, Some people prefer a cat over a dog because there's um, less time involved in looking after them. They don't need as much care as dogs do. So you have to look at whether you have time to have a dog versus a cat and then choose the size you want. Um, Once you decide on whether you want a dog or a cat, then you have to look at the breed you're looking for. And that depends on the size you want again and also the lifestyle that your family has. Um, If you're looking at big dogs, um, everybody who knows a Labrador is a fabulous dog to have with children, golden retrievers, standard poodles are less common, but I find them really good with kids and nice smart dogs. Um, Smaller dogs um, such as Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, Cocker Spaniels are lovely dogs to have with children. Bichon Frise is a nice small dog. Medium dogs, lots of the mixed breed dogs are nice. Um, The doodles, everybody has a doodle now. Um, And you can find one in almost any size, depending on what they've mixed. And I find in general, the mixed breed dogs are also healthier than purebred dogs. Mm -hmm. What are the good resorts out there um, to help us finding a good dog for us, for our family? Uh, Generally, I suggest either the American Kennel Club or the Canadian Kennel Club website. Um, So the akc.org is the American Kennel Club, and they'll have a list of all the dog breeds that are out there so you can read about size, personality traits, um, temperament, all those types of things. Also, if you have a veterinarian, speaking to your veterinarian about what you're looking for is a good idea before going and getting a pet. Or if you have anybody you know who's a dog trainer, that's another good resource for finding out about... um, 
breeds that would be suitable for your family. Mm-hmm. If you're someone that's very active, that do like that do like marathons. Like yeah, runs. there are some higher energy breeds um, that I don't normally suggest for families with young children because most people with little children are quite busy already. Um, but if you are a really active person, um, Vishlas and Pointers and Border Collies are all great dogs, but they need a lot of exercise to keep them busy. What happens if we don't get the right kind of dog? Um, if you get a dog that doesn't suit your family um, and, and they're not getting the care they need or the exercise they need, they can become destructive, um, they can develop anxiety disorders, they can um, become aggressive. So you can have lots of behavior problems associated with getting a dog that doesn't suit your family. So that's very important, right? Mm-hmm. Should our children be involved in pet training? Absolutely. If they're old enough, which if you get the puppy once the children are school age, they're they're better at that point. Um, you want everybody in the family to be training the dog because you all need to teach them things in the same way. So puppy classes are usually about teaching the people how to train the dog. The dog can learn from anybody, but if you're all telling the dog in a different way how to do the same thing, they won't be able to understand that. So it's important that everybody goes to the puppy classes. Every time I get a dog, I go through puppy classes um, and my my kids go along with me and my husband because we all need to be on the same page in how we're talking to the dog. Even though you've been a, a vet for... Yeah, 26 years 20 now. Se- yeah, 26 I years. always go to puppy classes with my puppies. Mm-hmm. And I guess that will help. Yeah, so little kids need to learn. Yeah, little kids need to learn how to number one behave around dogs, but also to get them to do things. So, in general, dogs um, are, are a pack animal, and in the pack, there is a leader of the pack, and then the less dominant animals. And the dogs will always be trying to be the most dominant. And with small children, it's easy for them to ignore small children and be more dominant. And again, that can lead to behavior problems. So the children need to understand how to get the dog to listen to them. And that's what puppy classes will help them with. Mm -hmm. How should we approach a strange dog? In general, you shouldn't approach a strange dog if there is no owner with the dog. Um, As an adult, you could, but children never should, and they should just be taught not to approach dogs who aren't there with their owners. Um, If the dog is with an owner, the first thing they should do is talk to the owner and ask if it's okay if they pet the dog. If the owner says, yeah, it's okay, the next thing they should do is ask that owner to make the dog sit. Um, That shows that that owner has the dog controlled and trained well enough that you can trust them to pet the dog. Um, If the owner is not able to get their dog to sit, it's probably not the safest dog for that child to pet. Not necessarily because it's an aggressive dog, but it could just be exuberant and it could knock your child over and hurt it without meaning to. Um, So you just want to make sure the dog is well controlled before the child will pet it. Mm-hmm. And I guess like that, that will avoid your children being scared of animal because they got bumped. Yeah, or... little kids, if they get knocked down or bitten or something, can develop a fear of dogs, and that takes a lot to overcome it. So we don't want them to have any negative negative experiences when they're young. I don't think so. You have that problem, Heather. I think your cat doesn't even move with all <laughs> um, all what uh, Hudson can do to to no. him, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Hudson definitely does not have a fear of animals. <laughs> and Marty, thank goodness, is a really good sport. And I think once Hudson gets a bit older, they'll be really good playmates. And I think Marty will appreciate Hudson's energy because then he'll have somebody to match it with where um, 
Marty's sister cat. She doesn't want to play with him. So I think eventually they're going to be good playmates. <laughs> so a doctor Anne is or when our children should be present when we choose to put down our pet. Um, I think small children, it's probably best if they're not present. So children under six or seven, depending on the child, of course. Um, it's not something they can truly understand, and it's a very emotional time, um, and it's more upsetting for them, I think, than helpful. Um, as they get older and they understand more about death and what's happening, then it might be something that you could talk to them about beforehand and try to explain it to them and see if they're going to be able to do that. Um, but it should be their choice at that age as to whether or not they want to be present. I think usually around eight or nine, most children, um, if you ask them, will want to be, but some won't. Um, there are some really good resources for talking to children about pet loss and grief. Um, the crematorium that we use on the North Shore, it's called Until We Meet Again. Um, their website has some good links to grief counselors and also has a list of books for talking to children about pet loss and what's happening with them. So the website is untilwemeetagain.ca? Yes. That's it. That's right. And uh, what is the language around that event that we should use with our children? Um, for little children who aren't going to be present, um, so under six or seven, I usually talk to them about how old the pet is and how he's sick um, and he's getting sicker and he's suffering um, and that it's it's time for him to go. Um Not everybody's religious, but heaven, we talk about heaven or a better place. Um, there's a good article, I think it's on Until We Meet Again, it's called The Rainbow Bridge, and it just talks about seeing your pet after in another place. Um, so it's a nice thing to talk to kids about is that they're going to go there and some kids have already lost a grandparent and we say they're going to go be with grandma or grandpa, things along those lines. Um, with older kids, they understand more about what's happening with the pet's health and that they're not well. Um, and it's a little bit easier conversation. But again, depending on the age, I'll use some of those books that are on the website that I just suggested. You can get them out of most libraries if you want to and go through them with your kids. And if our children choose to be there, yeah. what is the language at that moment? Um, so we usually try to explain to them, and I will do this with children when the parents bring them in, what I'm going to be doing before I do it. Um, so I talk to them about how we're first going to give a sedative to help their pet relax so they're not worried about what we're doing and they're not going to feel anything or be hurt by anything we're doing. So they have one little needle to help them relax, and then we're going to give them a second needle that makes them go to sleep, and they're not going to wake up from that. It's And if they're old enough, I'll talk to them that it's an anesthetic, and I'm going to give too much of it, and they'll fall asleep, and then they'll stop breathing, and their heart will stop beating. Um, so for the kids that are a bit older, I'll give a little bit more detail, whereas younger kids, I won't tell them as much. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for children, if our children choose to be there, to, to tell them what's happening, right? Yeah, it's yeah. better to tell them everything that's going to happen. Um, and usually, again, if they're older, I'll explain that after they pass away in the room, um, their eyes are going to stay open, everything's going to relax, and they might pee or poo, things like that, so they're not scared about the fact that the eyes are open or that they're doing these things. Mm -hmm. Those are all great tips. Good to know, right? 
Any other tips or tricks for new parents that already have pet? Yeah, so a lot of people already have a dog or a cat at home when they have a baby. I know I did. Um, a couple of things we suggest is that before the baby gets there, usually well ahead of time, a good month or so, that you try to establish a new routine with your pet. Um, for cats, one of the things we suggest is if you're going to put the litter box somewhere else, you move it well before the baby gets there. For dogs, I suggest establishing some type of activity, like a plaything that you do with them once a day for 15 minutes, because that's kind of realistic when you have a newborn in the house to spend 15 minutes a day with your pet and not much more. Um, and so if you have that established, dogs, they seem to have little clocks in their heads. They know what time it is. Establish it at a time that you think you're going to be able to maintain and do it each day because dogs thrive on a routine. And if you establish that routine before the baby gets there and they don't feel like the baby's disrupting things, then they don't mind having the baby there as much. They don't get as upset by it. Um, another thing we usually suggest is bringing home one of the blankets from the baby at the hospital before bringing the baby home. So your husband can bring home a blanket, let the dog sniff at it and sleep with it for a night before the baby comes home the next day. That's all great ideas too. Heather, do you want to tell us about your experience when you uh, brought Hudson home with the, the cats? Yeah. Um, so just as Dr. Ann mentioned, we did move the litter box well in advance. Um, we were in a condo, so we were going to be basically taking our, what was kind of the spare room where the litter box and stuff was, we were turning that into the nursery. So we moved the litter box, got everything completely transformed well before it's time Hudson got there. And so they were kind of used to the new routine that way and where they were to go and things like that. Um, and then we had lots of the baby things out, but again, weren't letting the cats like say sleep in the bassinet because that wasn't going to be where we wanted them when baby was home. So I never ever let the cats kind of get into a new habit of something like that. So I wanted to make sure that kind of thing was going on. And then, yeah, when he was really little, I mean, it was easy because <laughs> he wasn't, of course, getting into their space. They were able to kind of as they wanted to come up and kind of smell him and check him out. And we were able to kind of maintain a good space that way. But as of course he got more mobile, we have two cats, very different personalities. Molly, we joke that she's the scaredy cat. So she, she stays out of everybody's way. <laughs> if there's a new person that comes into the house, she will generally be the one to go hide. Um, but other than that with Hudson, she finds her spot that's up high and out of the way and she just watches and it's perfect. So it's generally fantastic. Now, Marty, we kind of joke that he's our dog cat. Like he'll play fetch. He will just roll around. He just wants to play. He just wants attention and love and we love him to death. But he, of course, wants to get right in with there with Hudson and Hudson wants to get right in there with him. And so we've been working on with Hudson, you know, showing him, demonstrating what gentle looks like, you know, guiding his hand to be gentle. But sometimes, you know, a toddler is a toddler and will get a little bit the rough. The cat gets bullied. The cat gets a little <laughs> bullied, but then he just lays there and I'm like, Marty, you can get up. You have four legs. Walk. <laughs> So it's quite funny because at yeah. some point, I mean, you know, we do our best obviously to make sure their claws are cut and, you know, make sure they're safe that way. Um, we don't leave Hudson alone in rooms with the cats. Like we're always around, but, um, you know, sometimes they're both on the floor kind of rolling around and I'm like, okay, you guys, <laughs> Marty, you can get up at any time. I'll remind Hudson to be gentle, but I can only protect you for so long. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it is what it is. And yeah. 
It's kind of we fun. don't have animals in our home, but we have a family dog, and the family dog lives with grandma, and it's Jasper the Cocker Spaniel. And we absolutely love this dog. Grandma is very, very careful, especially at the beginning when we introduced um, Alex when he was quite small. Jasper was a young dog too, so uh, you don't know how a, ch- a dog will act with younger, quite very young children all of a sudden, right? So we were really slow introducing um, the dog to our baby, and but he worked really well. He's a really good dog, and Alex can play with him like forever. Just so excited when he's there. Um, another thing we were careful about is always removing the food because Alex likes to he was liking to eat those little bits. And I know right now it's quite popular, the raw food diet. What do you think about this, Anne? Um, I think it's not very safe when there's small children in the house. Um, we have concerns just in general because the amount of bacteria in raw foods is higher than in commercial dog foods. So E. coli and salmonella levels are higher. Um, and there have been instances of illnesses in adults even that have been linked back to the pet's raw dog food. So with small children particularly um, who aren't good about food safety, washing their hands and being careful around those things, I think it's a risk to have it in the home and I don't advise it. Um, I also don't advise it if anybody in the home is immunocompromised, so older, younger, um, chemotherapy, any of those things that put you more at risk. Um, adults, it's about the only time that I would say, yeah, you, you know, it's up to you if you'd like to do it, but adults are pretty good about washing their hands. Um, the other risk too, the dog has this excess bacteria in their saliva and will lick your children. Um, cats groom themselves and then you pet your cat and you eat things. The dish is on the floor and you just can't prevent all that excess. It's just too hard to do with a raw diet. And so just in general, we would not suggest doing that for people with small children at home. Should we be careful even though our pet doesn't have a raw diet? Oh, absolutely. I mean, pets eat all kinds of awful things. I mean, if you've had a dog before, you've seen them eat poo in the forest. So you know that they're going to eat those disgusting things and then they're going to come home and lick you. Um, So I do try to teach my pets not to lick me. I don't let them lick me in the face. Um, But children aren't very good at preventing dogs from doing that. So you just need to be on top of them all the time. And I agree. I mean, both of you have touched on this already, but I would never leave a dog alone with a small child. Um, We have a lab who was six months when our first child was born. And even though he was a fabulous dog and I trusted him implicitly, I would not leave him alone in the room with my kids when they were toddlers. He came with me wherever I went. And so if the kids follow along, that's fine. But the dog didn't get left with the children if I wasn't there to supervise them. I think it's very important, yes. So, um, Anne, we can find you on our panel of experts at parenttalk.ca. So where else can we find you? Um, I work primarily at Ambleside Animal Hospital. Um, so our, our website is AmblesideAnimalHospital.com, and you can reach me through the email there. Great. Uh, Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card. Can you please pick one and read it to us? All right, ladies. So today's question, let's see. What do you do when somebody gives you a gift you already have? Do <laughs> you love that? Though. I don't know what I really do. <laughs> I do what my mother taught me to do, which is I say, thank you very much. That's lovely. 
That's it. <laughs> I love it. And for you, Heather. Um, definitely. I am gracious in that moment. I, you know, I appreciate that gift. And I mean, sometimes I'm excited because maybe it's something I have, but I love and I'm excited to have another. So yeah. that's fantastic. And maybe I've been known to re-gift the odd maybe thing. once or twice. <laughs> maybe once or twice, but you know, it went to another fantastic home. So <laughs> Yeah, definitely very um gracefully we'll say a big thank you and um, yeah if it's something that I love but I already have and if I love it I'm okay to re-gift it if it's something that I would buy purchase for someone yeah why not yeah. right make someone else happy Definitely. yeah <laughs> all right well um, that concludes today's episode I want to thank you uh, Dr. Anne and thank you Heather for being here and thank you for your contribution in other parents life helping us be the best parents we can be For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to rate and review us. We love to read your reviews. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening, and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.